0: When I was a kid, my dad would sometimes take the scenic way home instead of the normal, fastest, efficient way home. Uh, Every once in a while, he'd just want to see something different. And I inherited that from him. In fact, I did it so much when my kids were younger, they would ask me when we got into the car, are we taking the shortcut or the long cut? The shortcut was the regular way home. The long cut was the roundabout. Who knows where we're going to end up. Uh, Have you ever noticed that God seems to often choose the long cut. And getting you where you would like to be, he takes us the long way around. We see this, I think, as a pattern in scripture. Most of uh, Sundays here at Bayou City, we want to zoom in on a passage. But today, I kind of want to zoom out to see this theme that is consistent all the way through the Bible that God doesn't always go the quickest, most efficient route, but sometimes takes us the long way around. We see it most clear in the Israelites. They were slaves in Egypt and God was rescuing them out. I brought a little map with me so that you could see the map from Egypt to Israel was pretty short and pretty simple. And yet that's not how God chose to take them up and down and around. Maybe that's the way you feel today. God is leading me up and down and around. After our two oldest kids got out of diapers, they started to get a little bit easier. We began to to discuss if we wanted a third child. That wasn't really something we were thinking about consistently before we got married because I just have one sister. Amanda has one sister. So we both grew up in families of four. Now we had a family of four. It was starting to get easier. But we began to discuss if we wanted to have a third child. We do have a third. But there are seven years between Annabeth, our middle daughter, and Willa, our youngest daughter. And there's seven years of the long way around, of difficulty and stress and strife and loss and pain, hurt. Maybe that's the way you feel today. That I know God could give me this. I know that God could answer this. I know that God could do this for me. There is a clear path from here to where I want to be, but yet he seems to be taking his time up, down, and around. You see in your listening guide, our goal often is to get from where we are to where we want to be as fast as possible, but God is rarely concerned with speed. Of his priorities that we see in the Bible, speed is not one of them. So the question I want to ask today and hopefully answer for us is why? Why does God take the long way around? Why up, down, and around? You see in your listening guide, there are five reasons that I hope you'll remember the next time you're in one of those seasons. The first one, to build our faith in him. That's why God takes us the long way around. To build our faith in him. Jacob was one of the patriarchs, the forefathers of Israel, And he was actually born in the promised land. He was born exactly where God wanted his people to be. But when he came of age, God made him leave that land. In fact, he spent most of his life, as you can see on this little, little map, away from the promised land. And maybe that's where you are today. You had everything that you wanted. You had a great job and you lost it. You were in a great spot relationally and something fell apart. You were in the promised land and yet for some reason it got all messed up. That was Jacob's story. He had to leave. And on his way out, he has a dream. And we read about it in Genesis chapter 28. It says in verse 16, this, this dream is a ladder and angels are going up and down it in heaven, out of heaven And it says, He awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So this is what he says on his way out of the promised land. But as I mentioned, he spends a large portion of his life away from the promised land, but eventually gets to return home. And on his way back home, it says in Genesis chapter 33, verse 18, and Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, on his way from Paddan Aram. And he camped before the city, and from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, he bought for a hundred pieces of money the piece of land on which he had pitched his tent. Then he erected an altar and called it El Hoi Israel, which means God, the God of Israel. Now remember, at this time, Israel is not a nation. It's just one person, and it's Jacob. His name was Jacob and God had said, I'm not going to call you Jacob anymore. I'm going to call you Israel. So when Jacob says God, the God of Israel, he's not speaking for anybody but himself. So it would be the same as if you substituted your name in there. God, the God of Curtis or whatever your name is. So you see the difference on his way out of the promised land. He makes a deal with God. God, if you will do these things, then you will be my God. If you provide for me, if you give me food, if you give me clothing, then I will worship you. I mean, we would do the same thing today. If you give me this job, if you let me be married, if you let my marriage stay together, if you will give us kids, if my kids get into a good college, if, 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 if you do all these things, then I'll go to church on Sunday. I'll read my Bible more. Or I'll think about you more. Or I'll give my life to you. But on his way back into the promised land, After lots of years of up, down, and around, the long way around, he says, God, the God of Israel. There's no more deals. God, you are my God. See, the long way around has a way of personalizing our faith. Because it would be easy for this to just be the faith of your parents. Your parents were Christians. You're a Christian. Or the faith of your spouse. Your wife is a believer. She wants you to go to church. It's easier for you if you do. Or the faith of your church. I have a general belief in God, but my pastor seems really serious about it. Or other people at church feel serious about it. And I like going to a church that does X, Y, and Z. But that's someone else's faith. But the long way around has a way of personalizing it. No, God is the God of me. And so God may be taking you the long way around To build up your faith in him. Because in the long way around. You get plenty of opportunities. To see his character. His heart. And his power. So that you'll believe more. Second reason why he might take us the long way around. Is to deepen our friendship with him. Abraham was. Jacob's grandfather. And Abraham was really the. The main patriarch. The first of. God's people, Israel. And when God introduced himself to Abraham, Abraham didn't believe in God, didn't know God. He, he lived in a land that had lots of different gods. So when God shows up, he says to Abraham, this is who I am. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave this city. I want you to leave your extended family. And I want you to come and follow me. And if you do, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation right now. You're just a guy. But if you come and follow me, you're going to be the forefather of an entire group of people. Okay? And I'm going to give you a land a promised land. And so Abraham does, but you see on the map, Abraham didn't just go straight to Israel. He went up and down, got to where he was supposed to say, but then had to go even further. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you were like, I finally am sort of in the vicinity of where I want to be only to blow right past it. Right? And now I'm hoping God will bring me back to that place. Moses was another important person in Israel's history and we've already seen his map because Moses is the one that, l- that led God's people out of slavery in Egypt and-, and God led him up, down and back around. In fact, Moses never got to go into the promised land. He got to the very edge of it and then he died. Can you imagine that? Getting to the very edge of everything that you had been striving for and then it is gone like that. But these two men have... At least one thing in common. Both of them are called friends of God. James chapter two, verse 23. It says that Abraham believed God and God counted it to him as righteousness. And he was friends with God. And in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, it says the same thing about Moses, that when God would speak to Moses, he would speak to him as the way a man would speak to his friend. Now, I want to remind you that neither one of these men really knew God when God introduced himself to them. Abraham was in a land that worshiped all kinds of different gods. And Moses was born an Israelite, but he was raised in the household of Pharaoh. And Egypt had lots of different gods. So they went from being strangers to being friends. And let me tell you, that only happens the long way around. Because if we got what we wanted when we wanted it, we would only do a quick salute to God on the way to the thing that it is we want. We would get so caught up in enjoying the thing that we finally have that it wouldn't build our relationship with God. Most of us would make a brief stop at thank you and then get to enjoying our life. But in the long way around, well, we learn what Jesus said when he says to his disciples in John chapter 15, I used to call you servants, but now I call you friends. And God takes us the long way around to build that friendship with him. Number three, God takes us the long way around for someone else's salvation. This is what happened to the apostle Paul. He was out preaching the gospel. and You can see it on this map and he knew where he wanted to be. He wanted to be preaching the gospel in Asia minor region of Turkey and other places like that, but it, he can't get in there. And this is what happens in Acts chapter 16. If you have a Bible, I would love for you to look at it with me. Verse six. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia, who was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So Paul wants to go to Asia, and it says the Holy Spirit prevents him from going there. So plan B is to go into another region, Bithynia, but it says that he was forbidden by the Spirit of Jesus. So again, the Holy Spirit prevents him from going to this place. After having been prevented by God from going to these places to preach the gospel, Paul gets a vision saying, come over to Macedonia. So they go to the capital city of Philippi, and they meet Lydia, who believes in God, but has not yet believed in Jesus. Paul shares the rest of the story. You've been believing in God. Now believe in his son, Lydia does. And she becomes the leader and begins to host the very first church in Philippi. So what appeared to be a closed door for Paul was an open door for Lydia. So maybe you believe that God has just been closing doors for you, one right after the other. Jobs, relationships, just dreams in your heart. Closed door, closed door, closed door. What if God didn't want you to take that as personal? What if that closed door wasn't really about you? Because by closing the door on you, he was opening it for someone else to believe in Jesus. He's leading you the long way around to, to go and grab somebody and bring them into his kingdom. Earlier in Acts, Philip, one of the very first disciples. Here's God say, I want you to go and stand at this intersection. Uh, it was a way out of the way intersection. It was one of those roads that used to have a lot of traffic, but then they built a freeway around it. And now all the, the, the traffic bypasses, not really, but it's kind of a similar idea. So this was sort of an abandoned part of town. So to go and stand at that intersection didn't make any sense. If God wanted Philip to tell people about Jesus. You would never pick that intersection, but that's what God said. And so Philip went and stood at the intersection and just waited. And pretty soon an Ethiopian comes by and just happens to be reading the scripture. And Philip jumps up into the chariot with him and explains the gospel of Jesus, starting with that passage of scripture that he was reading. And that Ethiopian may have been the very first person to say the name of Jesus out loud on the continent of Africa because Philip was willing to go and stand in a place that probably he didn't want to stand to go and be in a place that didn't make sense. Maybe that's where you are today. You're like, I don't want to be in this job. This job doesn't make any sense. I got goals. I got a life plan. I got a map. I got a whole chart. Still from college. I still got the college journal, dream journal. This is where I want to be. Here's how my life is unfolding. It doesn't make any sense for me to be standing at this intersection, but this is where God has me. And maybe God does have you there to keep standing there until that person comes by so that you can be the one to share the gospel, to watch them come into his kingdom. What if that was your story that you're living? Not that God had forgotten you. Not that God didn't care about you. What if God was getting ready to use you? And so our challenge is to stand in whatever season God has us in until we see that Ethiopian come by. That may be why he's taking you the long way around because he's bringing somebody else the long way around and needs you to meet them there. Fourth thing, fourth reason why God may be taking you the long way around is for our maturity Joseph was the son of Jacob, the great grandson of Abraham, who we've already mentioned. And like Jacob, Joseph was born in the promised land. But God led him away from the promised land and he ended up in Egypt. And the reason he ended up in Egypt is because he had a dream. In fact, he had two dreams. And in the dream, all of his family, his brothers and his dad, they all bowed down and worshipped him and honored him. Now, God can give you that dream. That's up to God. Pro tip, don't share that dream with the people who are going to bow down and honor you. Nobody wants to hear that. But Joseph didn't do that. He just said it out loud and and sort of rubbed it in. He was kind of a brat. And so because of that, his brothers were furious with him. And then they took it a step too far and they sold him into slavery, which is not being a good brother. And so Joseph ends up in Egypt as a slave, but is then promoted there over time and becomes the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. But it was not a place that he ever intended being. It was not a place that he wanted to be. And he ended up powerful, but only after years and years and years and years of being a slave and being in prison himself. But then, and you can read about this at the end of Genesis, but then his dream came true. His brothers come to Egypt And they bow down and they show him honor, just like the dream he had had when he was so much younger. But because God had led Joseph the long way around, when the fulfillment of that dream happened, it wasn't about Joseph being great. It was about his brothers and his family being saved because back in the promised land, there had been a famine and they had run out of food. And so they had come down to Egypt to buy food and they just happened to stand in front of Joseph the one who was in charge of that food and they bowed down to show him respect so he might give them food. See, that's the thing about God building maturity in us. Is if we got what we wanted when we wanted it, we'd end up hurting people with the thing that we had received. But with maturity we can actually help people. When I was 21, Amanda and I had been married for just a few months, and I was working at a, a, a big, huge church and a you know, big, huge building, lots of people, 100-plus staff members, and, and we didn't have a pastor at the time. So they had guest preachers, and then, uh, and then one time they let me preach, and, and uh, which was stupid, but they let me in. And, and, and I guess I didn't do that terrible of a job because I just told a bunch of stories, which is kind of what I'm doing right now. So maybe I've not grown that much in the last 16 years. <laughs> But they let me do it again. After the second time that I, I, I got to preach, there's a, a, a real adult, not like me, like a real adult. They said, hey, that was great. And I'm going to recommend you to the pastor search committee. Which now looking back was like, that person is there, something's wrong with them, you know. But at the time I was like, oh yeah, I could totally do this. I mean, I'm still in college essentially, but uh, I could manage a hundred plus people. I could lead a giant congregation. I could be responsible for, I'm sure, the massive mortgage that's on this building. Of course I could do it. And even started daydreaming a little bit. Big shocker, nobody called me, you know. See, that's the, the thing about our maturity is usually left up to ourselves. We always think that we can do it or we could never do it in a million years. Rarely do we have just an accurate view of ourselves. It's either overflated or it's deflated. Neither one honors God, by the way. But we need the long way around to have that accurate view of ourselves so that we can actually grow into the maturity that we need. Because if we just got what we wanted, when we thought we could do it, we would hurt people instead of help people. And we can't leave it up to ourselves just to say, yeah, I'm mature now, trust me. And God knows that about us. So he leads us the long way around, just like he did Joseph. Because when Joseph shared the dream, the power was about his brothers showing him honor. But when the fulfillment of the dream came true, it was about his brothers getting the grain and the food that they needed. And finally, God takes us the long way around for his glory. Galatians chapter 6, or excuse me, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. I mean, you want to talk about the long way around. You think about God's strategy by with sending Jesus. God could have sent Jesus right after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. They could have sinned, eaten the fruit. Boom, Jesus is there to fix it all. Remember right before the flood, the, the world was wicked and evil and, and God just started all over but preserved Noah and his family. But what if instead of choosing Noah, God just sent Jesus? Jesus just fixed it all. What if instead of calling Abraham out as a forefather of God's people, God just sent Jesus? Or, or what about instead of sending Moses to be the rescuer of Israel out of slavery, God just sent Jesus. Or what if instead of establishing David as a king with a kingly line, what if God just skipped all that and sent Jesus? Or what if he did send Jesus when he actually sent him, but instead of Jesus being born a baby, what if Jesus just showed up when he was 30? I mean, that makes a lot more sense. Just start, immediately started preaching about the kingdom of God and going about his ministry. But that's not what happened. It says that the fullness of time, meaning when God said, go, Jesus was born of a woman. He was born a baby. And the scripture says that he grew in wisdom and favor with God and with man. Then at 30, he began to start his ministry, started preaching about the kingdom of God, inviting other people to be in the kingdom of God, started fighting the devil and the works of the devil, started healing people, doing these miracles, going around, being an example for us of what it means to live in God's kingdom. And then he was betrayed and then he was beaten and then he was crucified and then he was buried and then he was resurrected three days later. Then he ascended into heaven and he promised he would return. Why did God do all of that in the fullness of time? Ephesians chapter two, verse four. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So when Jesus was made alive, you and I were made alive with him. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And here it is. Why did Jesus do all of that in the time that God had said? So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Why did God save you? Why did God snatch you out of hell and establish you in the kingdom of God so that other people for the rest of time could look at you and go, God is so rich and wealthy in grace. That's why Jesus died for you. So that for the coming ages... People would talk about you, stop talking about you, and stop talking about how rich in mercy and grace God is. God has saved us for his own glory, for his own name, so that other people will be drawn to him and see how wealthy and powerful and rich in grace and mercy he is. Jesus took the long way around. We're following Jesus as God leads us the long way around. Why? So that people will see us being faithful in those difficult seasons. And by watching us, they'll see that God is rich in grace and they'll wanna come to him too. You know how when you need to find directions, you put it into your phone. You know, if you love the Lord, you got an iPhone or put it in there and it gives you three options, shows you how long it's going to take you to get from place to place. It's going to be 30 minutes here. It's going to be 32 minutes here. It's going to be 34 minutes this way. And what do you do? You, I mean, you just always choose the shortest route. I mean, has anyone in the history of the world been like, no, I actually want to go the long way. Uh, what I want you to remember today is when God has programmed in where he's taking you, he always chooses the long way. And you may be today feeling like, I don't know where I am. I don't know how I got here. I don't wanna be here. I would not have chosen this way. And that's true. You would not have, and I would not have. But you are not lost. God knows exactly where you are. This is the way that he's chosen for you to walk in this season for some pretty good reasons. So we're gonna keep putting one foot in front of the other. We're gonna keep walking the path that he has marked out for us. And eventually we will cross the line. Eventually we will get to the promised land. We will get to where he wants us to get. There is no doubting that. And we're just gonna remain faithful as we do. Let's pray.